Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week and supporting public media. There is no place in Florida that is as economically exposed to the public health measures taken in the fight against the coronavirus than the Florida Keys. Now, sure, there are places that employ thousands more workers in the tourism industry. 280,000 work in the leisure and hospitality business in Orlando. Almost 350,000 do in South Florida. But nowhere does tourism dominate the workforce like it does in the Keys. About half of everyone who works in Monroe County works in tourism. Or worked. Since the Keys, like the rest of Florida, is closed to tourists. It should be the height of tourist season right now, with tens of thousands of visitors crowding into the Keys each week. But instead, it's fallen quiet. We were used to hearing the the diesel engines every morning going out from Bud and Mary's Marina. You can just hear those things, and it's a just a gentle roar as they all head to the bait patch every morning. Jim Bernardin is the owner of Pines and Palms Resort in Isla Mirada. It's been just eerily quiet every single morning, not hearing those boats go out. So it's it's uh, something none of us have experienced. The cornerstone industry in the Keys is closed. The tourism business across the state has ground to a halt, throwing hundreds of thousands of people out of their jobs. The Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association estimates easily more than a quarter of a million people in the industry have filed for unemployment. And there are countless others waiting or unsure or unable to become part of the official statistics. Tourism is almost half of the Keys economy. And checkpoints are now set up on the Overseas Highway and Card Sound Road into the Keys, letting in only residents and essential visitors. You could throw a Frisbee in the road. There's no cars. The entire economy of the Keys is pretty much shut down. That includes the 20 or so full and part-time workers at Bernardin's Hotel. Friday was payday. It included just three days of work before visitors in the Keys were told to leave and hotels were ordered closed. Bernardin hopes to keep them on staff and take advantage of loans and grants included in the federal stimulus signed into law late last week. Daniel McCurdy handed out the last paychecks for a while a week ago. He's the administrative manager for a group that owns five bars in Key West. Um, On Monday, I did our last payroll and basically gave everybody uh, all the resources they would need to file unemployment and basically had to let people know so they could file unemployment. That was 75 to 80 people. Trisha Coyne had to let about 20 people go from the restaurant she owns, Firefly Key West, as she keeps an eye on making it through this shutdown. We've had to make the decision to cut down the staff, which everybody was everybody was so gracious about and understanding and, and knew that that was going to be necessary for us to do in order to for them to have jobs to come back to when this is all over, you know, to preserve the business. But no one is making guesses about when or what the future looks like for tourism in the Keys or anywhere else in Florida. Confirmed COVID-19 cases continue growing, the death toll keeps climbing, and new measures designed to slow the spread of the virus slow down the movement of people and bring tourism businesses to their knees. The new normal might make people more afraid of travel. And I mean, certainly so many people will have had financial hardships during this period of time. Um, I think it's going to obviously be a while before any, but if we ever get back to the normal where we were, it's obviously going to take a while. This situation, it's different from any other crisis that the company's been through. This is Donna Edwards. She's the brand manager at Sloppy Joe's Bar in Key West. 9-11. Hurricane Wilma, Hurricane Irma. This one's just difficult because we don't know where the end line is. 
Sloppy Joe's traces itself back to the day Prohibition ended in 1933. With its big doors opening out onto Duval and Green Streets, it symbolizes the carefree carnival spirit of the Keys. It takes about 115 people to keep it all going. All but 10 have been let go as the bar begins its third week of economic abstinence. You know, before we open, when it's quiet, it's always interesting to be in that room. When you're in there by yourself, it doesn't seem that big, you know, and then the doors open it up and it fills in. So it's lonely. It's eerie. You know, looking down Duval Street, it's um, it's different. Of course, the tourism business touches a lot more than restaurants and bars and hotels and the people who work for them. There are thousands more who entertain tourists, transport them, and take them out on the water. I called Xavier Figueroa. He's owned his own backcountry sport fishing guide business, Bay and Reef Company, for more than 20 years. Hello, Tom. Hey, Captain. How are you? Good. You uh, on the dock now? No, I'm home. <laughs> but Were I, you out on the water today? I, I did go out this morning, yes. And how are they biting? It was wonderful. <laughs> you know how the keys are in? We're in our own little bubble down here. And it was just uh, one of those incredibly beautiful days with crystal clear water and visibility down to 70 feet on the ocean side. And uh, maybe saw one or two other boats out there. <laughs> Figueroa owns his own boat. He doesn't have any employees and he runs on a tight budget, he says. But he represents how far and wide and deep the tourism industry goes into the economy in the Keys and the economic vulnerabilities exposed by the virus. Well, we're basically done for a couple of months. I've had 30 cancellations so far. Actually, uh, 33 cancellations right now. Uh, And that includes uh, April and May. And I'm sure I'll be hearing from more. In the meantime, there's not much else to do except what a fisherman does. Watch and wait. Still to come, the ripple effect on the county of closing the Keys and expecting skyrocketing unemployment. It's going to be in the 40 to 50 percent range, if not more, because the tourist industry accounts for about 50 percent of our economy. Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting WLRN. Straight ahead. Straight. Straight. When Monroe County first put up checkpoints on two roads, US-1 and Card Sound Road, leaving the mainland, it did so only through Sunday. Hundreds of cars and trucks were turned around over the weekend. Monroe County Sheriff Rick Ramsey warned he would have trouble staffing the checkpoint after he said Governor Ron DeSantis pulled the Florida Highway Patrol from helping roadside. But by Sunday afternoon, Monroe County announced the checkpoints would remain using local police, fire, and public works employees. This sound of the checkpoint comes from the Keys News Service. The last time there was a checkpoint for the Keys, and it was not because of a hurricane, was in 1982. Back then, the federal government's Border Patrol set up a checkpoint to search for drugs and undocumented immigrants. Key West used it as a publicity stunt to announce its independence from the United States, the Conch Republic. 
Well, this time it's the Keys putting up the checkpoints to letting in only residents and essential visitors in the effort to slow the spread of COVID-19. We spoke with Monroe County Administrator Roman Gastesi via Skype on Friday, just hours after the checkpoints were first set up. Roman, thanks for joining us here on WLRN. Why take this step to close the keys to almost all visitors? Well, uh, just to, to, you know, they, they talk about getting that uh, curve and flattening the curve. Two counties to the north, I guess you can call them hotspots. They've got many, many cases. Uh, so we're just trying to, you know, get everybody to, to, to you know, abide by the, uh, you know, stay at home as much as possible and social distancing. So that's the best way to do it. And uh, we can flatten this uh, this curve. And it goes a step further, not only stay at home, but for those folks that would normally be crowding Monroe County right now, stay away. Don't come. Exactly. Exactly. And we, we've made that, that, that directive a, a bit about a week now. And we're still seeing some traffic, especially in the Upper Keys and Marathon. Um, let's face it, the, those folks up there uh, that have been told to stay at home and stay you know, away from each other, they're starting to get cabin fever. And knowing that we are open down here, um, they were going to come down here. And they've been coming down here um, since we have uh, erected the information booth, what we're calling, or, or the checkpoint, some people call it just to give people the information and remind them that we're closed down here in Monroe County. Already we're starting to see uh, a downtick in use of our uh, resources down here, especially at the parks and especially at the marinas. Uh, I just got a report that the Marathon Marina and the Key Largo Marina have seen very little action. You know, and that's the way we want it. We, we want to just, you know, just calm down for two weeks or so, and hopefully this thing will go away in the next few weeks. You referred to it as a information booth, I think. It is a checkpoint, right? I mean, all cars into the Keys are, are being stopped and checked to see if they're residents, right? Yeah, if they're not delivery trucks and if they don't have the, the Monroe County sticker, we all have stickers down here. We have resident stickers, uh, depending on where you live. Um, those are being waved through and they don't even have to stop. And that hasn't been a problem at all. If they don't have that, then they'll be waved into a different lane well, they'll be instructed or reminded that the the keys are closed to visitors uh, right now. How far-reaching is the order? Is it applying to recreational vehicles, campers, even somebody sailing into the keys? They're not coming down the overseas highway, but maybe coming in on a sail from the uh, Caribbean? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about that. I mean, luckily, we don't have many of those, but, um, you know, those, those can't stay. They got to go, you know? And if you don't, if you don't live here, if you're not a resident here, um, I'm sorry, but for now you're just not welcome. Uh, we we love for you to visit when it's appropriate. I mean, we that's what keeps this economy going. But right now it's not appropriate because of this health scare, and we just can't have you right now. How difficult, Roman, was it to make this decision, effectively shutting down the industry on which most residents rely for work? It was extremely difficult. Uh, but I got to tell you, we, we didn't make it in a vacuum. We, we talked to the uh, Lodging Association. Uh, we talked to the Tourist Development Council. Uh, they're in the calls with us when we do our coordinating calls for the, at the Emergency Operations Center. So they saw the information uh, being given to us, and they made the decision with us. Uh, it's not something we did in a vacuum. They understood the, the, the uh, decision. They had uh, plenty of time to react to the decision. And they were included in the decision and supported the decision. And that's very important. 
In Monroe County, there are more than 16,000 lodging units, hotels and vacation rentals. Any idea how many of those are sitting empty right now in what would normally be probably the height of occupancy? Uh, yes, uh, most of them are empty. It's been amazing how this place emptied out. We only had about 40% of the normal traffic going down, uh, coming down the highway. Uh, that means 60% reduction in volume of traffic going south. Um, we obviously estimate that that will even go down even more uh, after uh, this um, action that we took. Uh, and that action being setting up the checkpoint. Correct. Correct. Unemployment after Hurricane Irma in Monroe County peaked at just below 6% in the month that the storm hit Kudjo Key in September. Uh, it was 2% earlier this year, I think the lowest in the state. Any idea how high it is now? Well, you know, I'm going to guess it's going to it's going to be in the 40 to 50 percent range, if not more, because the tourist industry accounts for about 50 percent of our economy. That is breathtaking, Roman, from two percent to half of your workforce without active income. It is. It is. It's something that we're just is troubling us. But the quicker we do it, the quicker we can bounce back. Let's look at bouncing back. Right. What's the criteria for deciding when and how to lift the ban on visitors? Well, you know, Tom, uh, you've, you've known we've known each other for many years, or of each other for many years. I've done uh, five hurricanes, an oil spill. Uh, when I was with the Water Management District, we we dealt with droughts and uh, with floods, of course, and we've had the Zika in the last few years. We've had dengue fever, screwworm, uh, all kinds of emergencies uh, in the in my 30 years of public service, but never anything like this. Uh, the uncertainty that comes with this. Uh, makes it impossible for me to answer that question. Obviously, once we hit that peak of cases and we start coming down on the other side of the curve uh, is when we start having that discussion. Uh, but I don't think there's anybody right now here or anywhere in the world that can say when is it time to go back to normal because this has never happened before to this extent. So I'm not trying to avoid your question. I just don't know the answer to that. I don't know how to answer that. Such a calculation around public health, uh, first and foremost, uh, and the economic casualties that uh, fall out from there. You have to be thinking as the county administrator, though, the impact on county operations. Monroe County collects 6.5% in various types of taxes on top of the state sales tax for hotel stays. Um, Except for property taxes, sales taxes is what funds county operations. Have you been able to to even get a ballpark idea of what the impact of closing the tourism industry in the Keys is going to mean for county operations? Um, no, it's hard to quantify, but we know it's going to be it's going to hurt. And we are going back to the 2008-2009 economic downturn. Yesterday, I was with the uh, budget director and with the CFO uh, Kevin Maddock, the the uh, clerk of the courts. He's he's our CFO down here, and we started um, you know talking about it and and. We, you know, we're looking at some of the numbers and we pulled out some of the things that we did back then. And the first thing we started with, which is the lowest hanging fruit, is a uh, hiring freeze and a purchasing freeze. Have you put those in place? Yes, we put those in place yesterday. Um, so that saves a lot of money. You know, there's any any position that's open doesn't get filled. That money's budgeted so we can use that money uh, to compensate for, for what's coming. 
Uh, the same with the with with the purchasing freeze. Um, I remember back in 2008, 2009, I was walking around the offices and everybody's pencil cup was full. Uh, I said, "Well, we're not ordering any more pencils or pens or anything. That's it. We use what we have, you know." And it works, and it's amazing how how folks do that and they adapt. So we can save a lot of money just in those two things. And in the next, uh, you know, a few weeks, we'll be doing more to, to cut cost uh, in preparation for for this economic hit. What about capital projects? Uh, the one there's a one cent infrastructure sales tax in Monroe County. Sixty percent of that paid by tourists. Uh, could this mean? Uh, infrastructure projects simply don't have shovels in the ground, so to speak, this year? Uh, yes, we're probably not start any new projects, absolutely, uh, because uh, even though some of those might be budgeted already, um, you're right, in the future, you know, we might get hit on the on the infrastructure sales tax also. The bigger projects that we've already begun, the money's sitting there. We've already, we don't start a project without the money being encumbered and allocated. So those should be okay, but we probably won't start any new projects that are scheduled for the, you know, the near future. Does the county have access to credit? Uh, in other words, borrowing if it if it gets there. We do, we do, and uh, you know it's not that bad a timing. If it would have happened last year at this time, we we're worst case. And two years ago, we were really bad because it was right after Hurricane Irma. We're still recovering from Hurricane Irma. We still have a partial loan out that we're paying. How big is that loan, Roman? Uh, the balance now is twelve uh, million. It, we got up to, um, I believe, forty million. So we've paid it down pretty aggressively. Um, so that's good news. Um, so I don't know if we have the ability to, with this lender we have now, to just increase it to forty if we need to, uh, or do we have to put it out to bid again? I'm not sure about the details there, but um, yes, we have good credit. We're in good financial standing. We have we have res, uh, reserves, um, and we're ready to, to tackle this. And we frankly think it's not going to be that bad, um, because if it's just for this season, this summer, let's say, if the best case scenario, we can come out of this later in the summer. Um, you know, it, that it won't hurt that bad. It's kind of the shoulder season. We lost one big month here in March, uh, as you know. That's a big month for us for the the spring breakers and it's the last month for the most of the snowbirds. Uh, but April and May seems, seem to be a little you know slower. Usually that's our shoulder season before we go into the busier summer season. So I think we'll be able to absorb this. Uh, we're really hoping, I guess that the best scenario would be that, uh, we could be open again, um, for July 4th celebration. Managing expectations there, Roman and looking quite a ways out when there is all that uncertainty and no visibility right now. Yeah. And that's why, that's why we have to buckle down and, you know, just the numbers, just our pure numbers and, and the curve and bringing up and down and, you know, two cycles, we're looking at maybe July, as long as we don't have, you know, too bad of an outbreak. On March 13th, you wrote a letter that was published in Keys Weekly in the newspaper saying, I've done five hurricanes, an oil spill, several other public health emergencies in my 30 years of public service, and this by far is the most challenging because of its uncertainty. I've used the word lack of visibility. You just can't see through it, right? Could you have imagined two weeks ago, Roman, putting a roadblock up on the mainland, stopping no. people coming into the Keys? Yeah, no. One of our public works guys just came in right before this call, and he's like, 
everything was so great two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, it's like these poor guys are all over the place and cleaning, you know, the, the parks and doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, it's, yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thought? This is amazing. Monroe County Administrator Roman Gastesi speaking with us Friday via Skype. Still to come, managing two motels through the shutdown. In a hurricane, the storm passes and then you get back to work of putting it back together and you get back open. We don't know when that's going to happen with this. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. Today we're talking about the closing of the Florida Keys and shutting down the predominant industry that fuels the local economy, tourism. Like a lot of people who call the Keys home, Deb Gillis first experienced it as a tourist. She and her husband finally moved down from the Midwest 27 years ago. She now owns two motels on the overseas highway in the Middle Keys, and she's also a member of the Isla Mirada Village Council. We spoke with her late last week via FaceTime while she was at one of her motels. Deb, thanks for joining us here on WLRN. Do you support the decision to close the keys to visitors? I do. Uh, It's very, very um, difficult to do that since all of our business is is derived from tourism. But uh, I I support it in the sense that I think we need to keep our keys safe uh, as we can from allowing the virus to run rapid down here. And um, hopefully we can come back sooner than later because of it. With your hat as a council member at Isla Mirada, were local leaders like yourself consulted prior to this decision? We've been on conference phone calls. Uh, They've been running them at first once a week, and then they went to three times a week. And we have been on them, and we've been asking, and there has been some discussion. Um, We weren't as well informed of the actual closure date as would have been liked. Um, But several of us, I won't speak for everybody, several of us in the upper keys believe that it was important that our businesses in the upper keys are exposed different than businesses in the lower keys because of the easy drive time from Miami. And we love Miami. We love our neighbors. <laughs> so maybe more exposed to yes. infection. Trippers and and uh, the like. Um, and you, you just never know in this, this uh, climate that we're in of what's what's being brought in. It's a very tough decision to make because everybody bases their income off of tourism. So it's very difficult. Hotels were closed as of March 22nd at 6 p.m. It has been many, many days now since then. How did you prepare for that closing? How did you prepare your two motels that you own and operate? Uh, the ones that were here, I did have to work with. Uh, most of them were well aware of what was happening, and it, it didn't really come as a surprise to them. Um, the, coincidentally, the the closure date coincided with a lot of what I'll call basic turnover. 
so I didn't that being have on a Sunday lot night of, then. Yeah. And I didn't have a lot of people that were uh, staying longer than that. I had a few. Um, and I had some that were going, I think I need to get home anyway. And so they, they were... They were congenial. I didn't have anybody that was nasty or argued with me over it. Everybody was congenial and understand that we're just trying to protect everybody, um, which is what we are. And then, then we had the whole slew of we called for um, till the first of the month. So we had eight days, nine days, whatever that is, of calling incoming guests. And once again, every guest that we called was completely understanding and supportive of what we were trying to do. And um, I had many people say, well, we'll see you in May, June, July, whenever. We'll be back. How far out have you had to cancel reservations? I chose April 1st. Uh, I probably will do another batch. So I will take another 15 days. I'm going to work on a 15-day basis and calling people. Most most everybody is calling me and saying, I don't think we're going to be able to come for a variety of reasons. Deb, what's been the effect on the business operations? Have you had to cut jobs? Um. I have scaled back at this point. I'm trying to... So cut hours then. Cut hours. I'm trying to support my employees the best they can because they have no income now either. And these are jobs that um, generally are are hard to uh, get like unemployment through uh, just because they don't make a lot of money. Um, and so I've, I personally have been trying to support my employees. Um, I'm hoping that the stimulus package coming out of Washington will help support the fact of, of layoffs and, uh, time off, paid time off, and that it doesn't take too long for small business to be able to get that back because small business always has the problem of a cash flow. Yeah, to that point, Deb, tell us about your cash flow. They call that liquidity. How much uh, access to cash do you have to keep uh, paying your bills? Well, I I have always been a proponent of saving money uh, to work on hurricane season. So I usually try to keep a three-month supply of liquidity of of funds that I can use towards hurricane season. Well, in the spring of the year is when you usually build that fund. Um, So it's what we need to hope that everybody was working on their fund for hurricane season and that they're going to have to use it now and that we don't have a hurricane this year that they would need those funds for. What's your cushion look like right now as you're entering into the second week of not being able to have people come in and, and pay for rooms? Um, personally, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I know that there's lots of businesses that are struggling and uh, this as we enter into the second and third and fourth week, and I believe it'll stretch out to at least four weeks if not longer, eight weeks seems to be a lot of chit chat about, I don't know if this, this virus is going to do what it wants in the time frame that it wants. 
with your motels, you've been cutting back hours, but not cutting jobs. Is that right? Correct. And so what's been that total effect on your payroll? And have you had to talk about pushing out payment for other services? Um, no, because I'm using my my reserves that I normally would use in the fall of the year. So personally, uh, my hotel, I am able to maintain my payroll. I've cut it back. I've probably cut... Um, I don't know, 25% of of it off. Uh, As this goes on, I probably have to go deeper on that. Uh, I I am completely closed because I have no guests, and yet I have somebody at my desk uh, from about 9 to 3 or 4 in the afternoon to answer phone calls. Deb, you're a longtime uh, operator there in the Keys. You've experienced a lot of natural disasters, tropical storms, and hurricanes. How does this COVID-19 experience compare early on? Um, it's, it's really, it's the same and different. And the, the same is that, you know, we're, we're cutting people off and we're closing down. The difference is, is we don't know when it'll end. In a hurricane, the storm passes and then you get back to work of putting it back together and you get back open. We don't know when that's going to happen with this. When I've talked to people, they they seem to understand that we need to get back open as soon as possible. But if we open too early, we're going to have a second round of infection. So we need to not do that. So the difference between the the, uh, hurricane and this is that you don't know when this is going to end. This is a global pandemic, certainly. This is not like a hurricane in the Middle Keys or affecting a portion of South Florida. This is a global uh, emergency. But as you see through this as best you can, Deb, how does the industry survive in the Keys? Well, I think it's a very resilient uh, society that we live in in the Keys. And they will figure that out and and make it so that um, they can be back in business. The difference will will come with the fact that um, it 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 will take a while. If we can keep it under control in the keys, I think we'll be better situated. That once this turns around, whether we're talking a month, two months, three months, whatever it is, whatever that time frame is. We will be situated to open our doors and welcome people back. And people will want to relax. And uh, there will always be a demand for the Keys. Speaking with Deb Gillis via FaceTime, she owns two motels in the Middle Keys and is an Isla Mirada Village Councilwoman. Still to come, a letter from Key West. We're coming to grips with the Keys as a place where instead of welcoming everyone, we're literally turning people away, keeping them out. Welcome back to The Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks again for listening this week. I'm Tom Hudson. The Florida economy is hurting. Unemployment is rising. The future is daunting for many. Today, we're focusing the program on the Florida Keys. About half of its economy is tied to tourism. 
More people may work in hospitality in Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties in South Florida, but no place in Florida is as dependent on tourists visiting to keep most of its residents employed than the Keys. About half of the jobs in Monroe County are tied to tourism, and the Keys are closed. Visitors have left. Day trippers are not welcome. Hotels, restaurants, bars have all shut down in the fight to slow the spread of COVID-19. Only residents and essential visitors are waved through checkpoints on the two roads leading away from the mainland. The Florida Keys are strung out like a comma at the end of the continent, and all of us are waiting for what may come next. WLRN's southernmost reporter Nancy Klingener sent us this letter from Key West. The Keys may be a chain of islands where we love to talk about our independence and resilience, but we're also a peninsula permanently tethered to the mainland starting in 1912 when Henry Flagler ran his railroad tracks all the way to Key West. For 82 years, that tie line has been concrete. Anyone can drive here, speeding across the shallows, hopping from key to key. It has fueled tourism here in a massive way. More than 5 million tourists visited in 2018. Only 75,000 of us live here. Generally, people who live in the Keys don't react well to checkpoints that limit access to the islands. Not in 1982, when the Fed set up a checkpoint, Key Westers declared the island the Conquer Republic and seceded. Not after Hurricane Andrew, when access to US-1 through devastated South Dade was limited. And not after Hurricane Irma, when water and power were in short supply and desperate property owners weren't allowed back in until days after the winds died down and the stormwater receded. This time, it's the Keys wanting to keep out the rest of the world. Key West residents pleaded for the city to turn away cruise ships. Then bars in Key West were closed. All of the Keys closed to visitors, unthinkable outside of a hurricane. And on Friday, a checkpoint turned away most visitors. So now what? Tourism provides more than half the jobs in the Keys. That notoriously high rent check is due this week. For a lot of people, it was hard to make that check when they worked three jobs. Now many of those jobs have vanished. Even if it's for a short while, it means missing paydays. A lot of people are staying home. Some were going to the beach and playing volleyball, or to the park for pickleball, till the last parks and beaches were finally shut down. Even in this age of social distancing, the keys will still be the keys. I saw one guy in a Publix wearing a mask, a snorkel mask, and the snorkel too, but no fins. We're coming to grips with the Keys as a place where instead of welcoming everyone, we're literally turning people away, keeping them out. The live and let live ethos that is one of our defining characteristics seems to have gone out the window, or at least taken a break. Now you have people posting on Facebook out-of-state license plates and threats of work strikes if the county takes down the checkpoint. Living in the Keys means talking about how much better it used to be. It doesn't matter if you arrived here last month or last century. I've heard it a lot since I moved here 30 years ago, about how great things were in the 1970s before new bridges and a water line opened the floodgates for tourism. Rent was cheap. Marijuana was plentiful. The authorities didn't just look the other way, a good number of them were in on the drug trade. Sure, it's fun to reminisce, but real life is more than a snapshot or a Jimmy Buffett lyric. 
Today's tourism industry in the Keys, or at least what it was before the coronavirus, got its first tryout in the 1930s, another time we seem to remember fondly. Which is weird, because the depression hit the Keys harder than most places. The city went bankrupt, and the feds thought about closing the place entirely. Instead, they turned to tourism. It was sunny, the fish were plenty, and it was cheap. Ernest Hemingway supposedly called it the Saint-Tropez of the poor. Elizabeth Bishop called Key West nice, but not because of all this sport and these he-men literatures, but just because it is so pretty, so inexpensive, and full of such nice little old houses. Those houses are a lot older now, and there are a lot more houses. Some are pretty, but none of them are inexpensive any longer. No one around here thinks we're going back to the 1930s or the 1970s. Even if there have been a few jokes about going back to the depression diet of grits and grunts. The road will reopen because it has to. So will the hotels and the restaurants and the bars. Because they have to. The questions are, who will survive here in a place that likes to call itself paradise, but is Florida's most expensive place to live? And what will remain for them, even after the virus is gone? I'm Nancy Klingener in Key West. Still to come, a story of money and the price of life while living with the economic realities of battling the COVID-19 virus. The last couple of weeks have been absolutely beautiful weather. There's no planes in the sky. There's birds are flying everywhere. Fish are swimming all over the place, but I wouldn't know because uh, I'm not out there fishing. This is the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening this week. All season at this time in the program, we've been bringing you financial statements, stories of money and the price of life in South Florida. But life has changed fast and in so many ways for so many people. If you or someone you know wants to share their story of money and the price of life during this time of COVID-19, please email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. That's sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Today's story is from Will Benson, a Keys native with a degree in philosophy who makes his living fishing. Captain Will Benson, and I'm a uh, fishing guide in the Florida Keys. So I grew up on the docks here in Sugarloaf Key, Florida, cleaning boats, kind of idolizing fishing guides, and was doing that as a teenager. Uh, I got my captain's license at 19, and I've been doing it for 20 years now, 20 plus years. Uh, taking people flats fishing in the Florida Keys. And what it's meant for me is we have a, a wonderful house. I have a beautiful family here on Sugarloaf. We get to go out to the beach on the weekends. Uh, and I have a, a clientele that I've built up over 20 years that are some of my best friends, almost extended family, if you will, uh, that come down and see me every year and go fishing. And it's provided the best lifestyle I could have ever imagined for. It's my dream job, frankly. You know, with those little bank questions that you have to fill out, you know, what's your dream job? Well, mine's a fishing guide, and that's I've been lucky enough to do that my entire life. 
I have uh, one boat myself, and I'm my own employer. I put myself on payroll, and that's my little company. My boat is 17 and a half feet long. It's about six feet wide, a 90 horsepower engine. It goes 40 miles an hour and floats in six inches of water. It's designed to be a stealthy uh, little craft that we quietly stock the fish in shallow water. I work from Marathon to the Marquesas, which are you know, 20 miles west of Key West. The last couple of weeks have been absolutely beautiful weather. There's no planes in the sky. The birds are flying everywhere. Fish are swimming all over the place, but I wouldn't know because uh, I'm not out there fishing. Completely overnight, uh, my entire business and my entire season came to a complete stop. and. For the foreseeable future, I don't know when I'm going back to work. The next charter I have on my calendar is supposed to be, um, you know, this Monday, but that's been canceled. Um, the following week's been canceled. There's some talk of the end of April, uh, some guys that live down in the Keys being able to get together uh, and go fishing. So that's in a month from now. Likely, you know, if this coronavirus outbreak continues and the Keys remains closed to tourism, we're going to lose our entire tarpon season. Our bread and butter for the whole year is the spring from March until July. And that's when we all make our money. And it's looking more and more so like that's just going to be, you know, up and gone. Well, right now we're just taking it day by day. Uh, I've whacked the boat. I've cleaned everything that I can clean. All the rods are completely rigged, ready to go. Flies are tied. And now we're just, you know, on to home improvement projects. And we're going to continue to kind of, you know, whittle along like that. And at some point, if the business doesn't return and I can't go back to fishing, yeah, the reality is, is that, you know, I'll have to pick up, you know, another trade or do something in the meantime to survive through the season. I'm thinking about, you know, picking up the voltmeter or a hammer and going back to work doing construction that I used to do because that's probably what it's gonna to take to survive through this year. There's not any guarantee that after this, that the tourism industry in general is going to return. I mean, who's going to want to be traveling? Everybody's just lost money. Everybody's trying to get back to normal. Nobody's thinking about, oh, we're going to go on a vacation. You know, so the, the Keys is in a very tenuous spot, I think, because of our reliance on a tourism economy. Um, it's going to take us a long time to rebound from this. That's my thought. I think nature's getting a chance to kind of take a little breather right now. Uh, you can almost feel it down here. You know, the, there's not as many. It's like during, a, you know, before a hurricane or something like that. You know, every all the critters come out. You can just kind of feel that here. And maybe our fishery gets a little bit of a reprieve. You know, the coral reef can, you know, not have that many visitors for just a little bit of time, you know. And maybe that'll help uh, 
you know, help us in the long run. You know, there's silver linings in all of this, and you just have to kind of, you know, look and see those and focus on those. And ultimately, we're going to get through it. Um, but I think the world's going to look a whole lot different, and we're all going to be kind of adjusting to a new reality. And I hope that, you know, my business can continue next year, but there's no guarantee. You know, we may, you know, we might be in a situation where, you know, going back to fishing just doesn't make much sense uh, for my family. I hope not. You know, we've had a, a decent, you know, fall and uh, winter, but we just took a trip to a family vacation. The first real big family vacation we ever took this Christmas was to go see my wife's family in Australia. So we did spend a little bit too much money. However, we did just get our uh, financial um, money from the from Irma, so we just settled with with our insurance agent literally a month ago uh, with Irma. So we have a little bit of that Irma cash that we can now use for coronavirus. It's it's very it's it's like you know it's one disaster to the next. So, but that might be kind of the new reality for a lot of us small business owners who are taking a lot of risk being out there, um, you know, experiencing these kind of events. We're going to have to, you know, get used to it, prepare for it, start putting things away and start understanding that at any moment we may need to walk away from our business for a month or two months at a time as we experience things like this. You know, be it maybe there's a terrorism thing, maybe it's a virus, maybe it's a hurricane, maybe it's some other sort of interruption to our global economy, which, you know, affects my tourism based industry. When you're usually fishing, you know, you're pulling up to the marina. There's, you know, two or three guides sipping coffee on the dock waiting for clients. Trucks are, you know, filing in and parking one after another in the parking lot. You know, there's there's crew members running around getting the big charter boats going. The business operations are humming and everybody's kind of, you know, bantering back and forth in this jovial, you know, poking fun kind of way. Clients coming in. It is eerily quiet. It, 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 the, the thing that it reminds me of is the 48 hours before Irma hit. That's what the Keys feels like right now. Businesses are shuttered. There's nobody on the docks. There's very little traffic movement because they've closed US-1 at this point. Uh, it's eerie. And it's, um, you know, from a business standpoint, you know, you can tell that things have ground to a complete and near standstill down here. There's not none of that's going on, you know. It's, this is a we're in uncharted territory. We don't know how to handle it, but you know we're gonna write the playbook as we go, and we'll get through it. We've been through other things like this before. Sport fishing captain Will Benson from Sugarloaf Key. His charter calendar is empty for weeks. That means no income for him, with the keys closed to tourists to fight the spread of COVID-19. Now, if you or someone you know wants to share their story about dealing with the new financial realities brought on by the coronavirus, 
please email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. That's sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Katie Lepre is our engagement producer. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening.